And I'm thinking, what am I gonna, what am I gonna do with this? But in that text that they, uh, she read, there was also the Lord's Prayer. And, and I'm telling you, this is honestly what I was thinking. I was, I was gonna get up and say, that's not the text I'm preaching from, but I wanted you to hear that text. I wanted you to hear the Lord's Prayer this morning. And it was all part of the plan, all part of the intention of why, uh, that gospel was read this morning. But I, I did not do that. I did confess. I also confessed that I was tempted to do that. Um, but today, uh, I appreciate, uh, Jenny reading the, the right text. And it is this, this rich man. In Matthew, it's, I believe, the rich young man. And I think it's in Luke, it's the rich ruler. Uh, but here in Mark's gospel, it's just the rich man. In the text right before it, we see Jesus with the children. And he says, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom belongs to such as these. So we come to a portion in the gospel of Mark where, uh, where we see the kingdom of God spoken about, where Jesus is teaching about the kingdom. And again, right before our passage, we hear that if you want to be part of the kingdom of God, you must receive it like these little children. You have nothing to offer. You have nothing to give. And the little that you do give, it really can't make a difference in the kingdom of God apart from God. It is a simple truth. Let the children come to me. It is simple, but it is not simplistic. Let the children come to me. It's part of we must come like children to God, to his kingdom. And then Jesus comes into this encounter with this this rich man. And we need to realize when we read things like he was on his way to Jerusalem, which is the way it is read in the New Living Translation. Some say he was on his way to a trip, but, but many say he was on the way to Jerusalem. We need to read it this way. Jesus was on the way to the cross. In fact, in Mark, it's the the beginning of it, Mark 10. Jesus began his journey to Jerusalem, which means Jesus began his journey to the cross. It's very important because if we think of what Jesus is thinking and feeling and experiencing at this time, he knows he's going to die for you. He knows he's going to die for the sins of the world. And and that's an important piece as we watch and look and listen to what's happening here. So we see this rich man who comes running and kneeling and calling Jesus good. And maybe in your spiritual journey you have run and, and maybe you have knelt and maybe you have felt and called Jesus good. In fact, I hope that you have. I hope that there's been a time in your life where you have run to the feet of Jesus and you have knelt before him and you have asked him to forgive you for your sins, to to change your life, to come into your heart. And because you believe that he is good, I hope that you have had that time in your life where you have ran and where you have knelt and you have called Jesus good. For that is what this man is doing. This rich man. And Jesus says, you call me good, but only God is truly good. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not testify falsely. Do not cheat. Honor your father and mother. And the rich man says, Lord, I've followed all those rules. Ever since I was a boy, which maybe since his bar mitzvah, maybe since the age of 13. Ever since then, Lord, I have followed those rules. I have been faithful. I have not killed anyone. I have not committed adultery. I haven't stolen. I'm coming running to you. I'm kneeling before you. You are good. I'm following the rules. I'm following the examples my family taught to me. I was in church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, Wednesday night. I went to youth group. I went to teen camp. I knelt there. I knelt at church. I called you good. I've I've done all of those things, Lord. And yet Jesus says, and he looks at him with this genuine love, you lack only one thing. He came running to Jesus. We've called you. If you've grown up in the church, you know that the church has called you to this relationship, this personal relationship with Christ. You've run to him, I hope. You've knelt before him. You've called him good. 
You followed the rules, or at least tried to. You may have stumbled along the way, but for the most part, you followed the rules, and, and now Jesus says you still lack one thing. And 21 is a beautiful verse. Jesus felt genuine love for this man. Other texts say he looked at him in love. You still lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. Then come follow me. If you have not yet ran to Jesus, if you have not yet knelt at an altar, if you have not been baptized into the church from the tradition you come from or confirmed in the church and those, those traditions, it's a wonderful way to come to Jesus. Maybe some of you, it wasn't an altar call at a teen camp. Maybe it was praying with your parents at, at your bedside where you have knelt and called upon the name of Jesus. But now Jesus is saying you still lack one thing if you want to follow me. Give the money to the poor. Sell all you have. Then come follow me. So you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I'm speaking to those who have grown up in the church, specifically here at this moment. You have grown up in the church. You have heard the messages. You have heard the Sunday school lessons. You have given your heart and life to Jesus. But have you surrendered to him as Lord? Have you surrendered to him as Lord? Have you given all to him? I know you're broke already. So, yeah, I got three dollars. That's all I got. I'll give it to Jesus right now. I'll put it on the altar. Well, thanks for your sacrifice. I understand. I have shared the story of a, a religion professor of mine at seminary when he was pastoring. He had a, a, a man come in who was a multi, multi-millionaire share his testimony. And he shared how one day when he was poor, he heard God tell him, give all that you have to me. Give it all and I will, I will bless you. And he only had five dollars. And he gives this wonderful testimony at the church how he, he gave that five dollars and he was sacrificial. And he gave all he had to the Lord. And then he went into the story how God has richly blessed him. And now he has several companies and corporations and millions upon millions of dollars. And then an old saint of the church as she was walking out to say goodbye to the pastor and this guest speaker. You know, those saints of the church that have wisdom beyond any Ph.D. Those saints of the church who have lived faithfully and in her humility came up to this man and said, I was inspired by your story. What a blessing that you gave your last $5 to God and now He has blessed you. But she said, I do have one question. If God asked you to give every dollar today, would you do the same? If God asked you to give the tens of millions that you have, would you, would you do the same? Go and sell all you have. Give the money to the poor. You all have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. And Jesus recognizes this is a very difficult thing to ask. It'd be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. When I was a child in Sunday school, I had no idea what the eye of a needle was. I thought a camel was being poked with a needle I, I honest, in the eye. I, didn't, I honestly didn't know what it meant. And I then came to understand that, you know, that's how you thread the needle through the top of the needle. And a camel can't go through there. Obviously, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible, but it's, it's not impossible with God. Whatever God is calling you to give up, whatever God is calling you to surrender, whatever God is calling you to lay down so that you can follow him, it is not impossible. Everything is possible with God. There is a, as I was preparing this message, I thought of an old film. It's from 1972 called Brother, Son, Sister, Moon. And it's about, <laughs> some of you chuckle already just by the title. And it's in 1972, it's about St. Francis of Assisi. And, uh, a little background to the film, and I was going to show a clip, but it was in 1972, and, and it's not, 
HD, I don't know if you know this, but they didn't have high definition in uh, 1972. I know that's a shock to many of you, but they didn't. And um, It's kind of old school, and, and, and it's a little weird, and the music seems a little strange, but there is this powerful scene at the end. But, but the movie is about Francesco, who would eventually become St. Francis of Assisi, and he was a, a spoiled child. His family were, were wealthy merchants, and he came home from fighting a war, and he was in bed due to a terrible illness, to a terrible fever. fever. And while he was lying in bed, he was tormented of visions from his past and how he had lived in his past, how he had hurt others, how he used his wealth to exploit others, how he had harmed other people and and took advantage of others. And in this recovery period, he slowly finds God. He slowly comes to the point of conviction and, and asking forgiveness. And then he finds God not in wealth. He finds God among the poor in poverty. He finds God in living a life of, of chastity and obedience. And during this recovery, his body is not only healed, but his soul is healed also. Once he's healthy, he goes back to his normal life as a rich man, and he, he just can't come to peace with it. He, he doesn't want to take over his family business as his father wants him to. In fact, one day he takes all the textiles from his family business and starts throwing them to the street, starts giving them to the poor. Then he goes and takes his dad's money boxes and the gold, and he goes out and he starts throwing all of that to the street and giving it to the poor. And this may surprise you, but his father wasn't too happy about that. So his father grabs him and starts beating him in the public square brings him before the bishop of Assisi and and just continues to beat him and and tells him all that his son has done. And 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 Francesco comes to the point, he says, I'm giving rid of everything. And there in the middle of the city, he just takes everything off, shoes, clothes, just gets butt naked. He says, I want nothing of this world. In summary, he would be saying, just give me Jesus. He then walks out of Assisi completely naked, just leaves. Nothing. He wanted nothing. He was going to completely trust in God. And he walks outside the city and he finds this old ruined chapel that hadn't been used for years where he hears God's voice tell him, restore this chapel. So he begins restoring, starts building this chapel. He finds clothes somewhere in that time period as well. And much to the dismay of his family and his friends and and the local bishop and the local religious leadership, they're troubled by this because now he's getting followers. Now others are getting rid of all their wealth and and now they're caring for the poor and they're just living among creation and surviving what God provides through creation. And so the church is angry and and they're trying to stop this work, saying it's not of God and it comes to a head when one day his chapel is set on fire. Many believe the church set the chapel on fire where one of his parishioners were killed and the parishioners were all the poorest of the poor. And he's heartbroken and he's, he's struggling and he can't figure out what is God trying to do? Maybe, I, maybe I've been living wrong. So he and his brothers decide to go to, to take a trip to Rome to try to get to see the Pope, Pope Innocent III, the Vatican in Rome. And I think we're going to try a video clip here in a moment. And if it doesn't work, I apologize. I'll tell you what happened. But once in Rome, as he makes his way before the Pope, he walks into St. Peter's and it's just a beautiful, beautiful palace. And all the cardinals or bishops are there and they're all in these really beautiful garments and they're carrying staffs of gold and and gold necklaces and solid gold crosses around the neck and it becomes so burdened. Why are you wasting the wealth that God has given you and not giving it to the poor that he breaks down before the Pope and he starts preaching to them by quoting the Gospels. Why build your treasure here on earth where rust and and, and, and where moth and rust decay? Build your treasure. So he starts preaching to the cardinals and to the bishops and they get angry. And they grab him and they, they grab his followers and they begin to throw him in jail. But the only person, it seems, the only person that was really touched by his message of quoting the Gospels was the Pope. 
And so Innocent III says, bring them back. I want to speak to this group. And he, he has this huge gold coat on, and he takes off the gold coat, and he, he comes down the steps in a very humble way and asks St. Fran- Francesco at this time, ask him, what do you want from us? What can we do for you? And Francesco made that journey to say, if, if what we are doing is not of God, we will stop. But if it is of God, will you give us your blessing? Because if you give us your blessing, if you give us your blessing, that means the other churches must respect the work that we are doing and we can move forward. Now again, disclaimer, it's a 1972 film. It's not in HD. It's going to be okay. And let's see if we have sound and we'll try it now. Do you want of us? I have often watched the larks in the fields and my home. I have often watched the larks in the fields on my own. They are such humble, modest creatures who need only a sip of water and a few berries in order to live and soar into the heavens. One day, I found myself thinking that we too could be happy if we were content with little like the larks. If we could live as they live, singing and thanking the Lord who created us. And that is why we came to Rome. What advice can I possibly give you, my dear young brother? God has given you a most precious gift, the grace to approach him through his beloved creatures. What more can you want? Sinful people understand us, but the others, perhaps we have made mistakes. This is what we want to know. Is it not possible, Holy Father, to live according to the teachings of our Lord? Or have we sinned through presumption? If that be the case, then we would like your holiness to tell us about errors. My dearest son, errors will be forgiven. In our obsession with original sin, we do often forget original innocence. Don't let that happen to you. You've brought me, dear children, great joy and a little sadness. I too started my vocation all long ago in much the same way as you. But with time, all that enthusiasm passed. 
and the responsibilities of church government took hold of me, as you see. And what will happen to those who come after you? Have you thought enough about them? But if it be true for us, then how can it not be true for them? We are encrusted with riches and power. You, in your poverty. Put us to shame. truth to all may your disciples increase a thousandfold and flourish like the tree. our Lord be with you in your hands and in your feet Is it possible to live radically trusting in the word of our Lord, trusting in his gospel, trusting in his word? Can you truly live by the teachings of our Lord? Now, granted, as I said, many of us, many of you probably don't have wealth to lay down today. But is it possible that the Lord is asking you to surrender something else? Know that Jesus is looking at you in love caring for you and love, and then he says, go and give me this. I don't think I've ever prayed more for a statement that I'd speak in chapel than I did for that statement. What is God asking you to surrender and give up and lay down? It may not be as radical as St. Francis of Assisi, or it may be, I show it to hope that maybe sometimes video and imagery can help us remember something or, or help capture a point. But what is it that God is, is looking at you in love and out of love for you saying, I need you to lay this down. I need you to surrender this. I'm so thankful that you have run to me. I am so thankful that you have knelt before me. I'm so thankful that you call me good. But I need you to give this up. I need you to lay this down to then follow me. What is that for you? It's no longer just running. It's no longer just kneeling. It's no longer just calling Jesus good. It's now about acts of surrender and total abandonment to God. And everything is possible with God. So get rid of whatever is holding you back. So what is it? Sometimes we think it's these big things, but maybe it may be small. God's saying, get rid of your pride. 
I need you to come and follow me. I need you to get rid of your pride. Jesus is saying, I need you to come and follow me. I want you to come and follow me. I need you to get rid of your arrogance. Jesus is saying, I want you to be a follower. I need you to forgive that family member. Jesus is saying, I want you to come and follow me, but I need you to ask forgiveness of that other that you've hurt, and you know who that other person is. Oh, I've been praying that in these few closing moments that the Lord will speak clearly to you. He wants you to come and follow. It's no longer just running and just kneeling and just calling Jesus good. It is about surrendering everything to him and truly being a disciple, truly being a follower. Maybe it's to get rid of that hatred you have for another. Jesus is looking at you in love. You lack one thing. Get rid of it. The hatred, the pride, the arrogance. Maybe get rid of the video games. Maybe get rid of the music. Maybe get rid of the videos or the shows that you're watching and you can't be a follower because that stuff does not glorify me. See, somewhere along the way we thought, or sometime, somewhere along the way we stopped talking that a complete surrender to God is, is dangerous. <laughs> it's challenging. It's painful. But that's what Jesus calls us because Jesus is on the way to the cross. And he's about to give all. And he asks the same of his followers. So you, do you believe, like St. Francis asked, do you believe that you can live by the teachings of our Lord? Or as he asked the Pope, or have we made a mistake? Is that silly? Jesus says it's, hard, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person enter the kingdom of God. But then in, and that's often what we focus on, but then we often miss verse 30. Verse 27, but everything is possible with God. You have a hatred for another. God can give you peace. You have pride or arrogance. God can bring humility through the power of his Holy Spirit. You say, I don't have the strength to put down the video game controller or to watch what I've been watching or listen to what I've been listening to, but everything is possible with God. God's saying, you've accepted me as Savior, but now I want you to follow me as Lord. And nothing can come in between us. So will you surrender? Will you lay down? I'm praying that the Lord is speaking some of, to some of you this morning, saying, I want you to give this up. I want you to lay this down. And then I want you to follow. In the closing verses from 29 to 31, Jesus talks about those who give up everything. I assure you, he gives these three promises, if you will. These three promises, if you are willing to completely surrender to God and give God everything, if you are going to trust in his word, there are these three promises, these three assurances. I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news, you will receive now in return... A hundred times over, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property. That's the first thing. A hundred times over. And what he's talking about is you will receive a Christian community. You will receive brothers and sisters in Christ. So when Pastor Larry Kim comes up here and shares this incredible, painful story, I didn't even know he was going to share it a few weeks ago, how his wife carried the baby to term knowing that the child would only live for a few hours and he tells you that I can testify to the fact that in the midst of the storms God is enough. And Larry Kim is your brother in Christ. and You can be encouraged by that and know that his testimony and his word can give you strength. 
We hear from Dr. Josie Owens. Do you know that she prays for you regularly, that she prays for you regularly and fasts for you regularly? So you have this sister in Christ that is giving her prayer time and fasting and giving up meals for you. Yes, you're receiving it a hundred times more, but sometimes we miss it. So we have a friend now, and he does consider Eastern Nazarene College his, his friend, and he, he already expressed that he wants to come back. We have a friend who plays Major League Baseball. We have a friend who glorifies Christ and all that he does on and off the field. We receive a hundred times more. We have a friend in Vancouver, Canada, who is caring for the poorest of the poor and giving them jobs and dignity. Yes, we receive hundreds of times more if you will but trust in God. And then it's almost as Jesus slips number two in before moving on to number three. Number three is in the world to come, they will have eternal life. So you receive a hundred times over, brothers and sisters, with persecutions, and in the world to come, have eternal life. One of the promises is that there will be persecutions. It's dangerous being a disciple of Christ. It's dangerous being a follower of Jesus. He asks us to give all. Jesus is on his way to the cross. He will be, he will be persecuted. His life will be taken from him. But on the third day, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he will rise again. And new life will begin So whatever God is asking you to lay down, whatever God is asking you to give up, it may come with some challenges. It may come with some persecution. I think maybe while you're here at ENC, it's a good time to begin practice living these out in persecutions that may happen on campus. I appreciate what Dr. Tillman said, another brother in Christ, and I'm thankful for his ministry in Richmond. And he talked about, I know some of you are coming into chapel kicking and screaming, but we believe in the importance of being under the word and teaching of God for it transforms us individually, but it also transforms us as a community. And I know that there are many that don't care to be here this morning. But there are others that do, and, and maybe just a little test, a little, little tiny sliver a test of persecution. Some of us are scared to stand and sing because of what others might think of us. Why do we think that if we're ashamed to stand and sing praises to our Lord in a chapel context, why do we think we're going to be faithful when the persecutions come outside of Christian community? And in the world to come, you will have eternal life. Our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven begins the moment we accept Christ as Lord, and our, as Lord and Savior of our life, and he calls us to surrender, to give everything up, to lay it all down for him and his glory and his ministry. Jesus was on his way to the cross, and he asks you, followers of Jesus, he asks you to follow him there. He asks you to follow him to the cross, to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Have you been doing that? Have you been doing that? Have you surrendered all? Have you given up all for Christ Jesus and for his glory and his honor and his kingdom? Let us pray. In these closing moments of prayer, we will close with silent prayer, much like the way we began. At the beginning of this chapel, we were lifting up cares and concerns for others, but now I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will just speak And a silence beyond words to each of you. To those of you who have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, have you surrendered to him as Lord? And is he asking you to give something up? Because it's gotten in the way of you following him. Speak to us, Lord, now your servants are listening.